I'm going to find you. I called out, stalking the dark house. Moving down the hallway, I listened hard for any sound that would give him away. I heard nothing. After wrenching open the hall closet, I shoved the coats aside and looked to see if he was curled up underneath them. He wasn't. As I turned to continue the search, I caught a glimpse of one of Maddie's coats. I paused, my hand reaching automatically up to touch the old item. I resisted the urge to smell it, but I could do nothing to stop the sorrow that swept over my heart like volcanic ash obscuring the sun. Movement from upstairs caught my attention, pulling me from my dark days. I'm gonna get you! I called out, shutting the closet door. Fast, light footsteps crossed the hall upstairs. I took the stairs two at a time, knowing that I had him now. I barged into my bedroom and went straight to the closet. It was one of his favorite hiding spots. I found him curled up under the clothes Maddie left behind, giggling madly. I found you, I called. Andre laughed and squirmed as I tickled him. At five years old, he couldn't get enough of hide and seek, especially since his mother left. I guessed it was his way of coping, or maybe it was just a distraction, or an excuse to run into the closet and hide under his mother's clothes, smelling her fragrance on them. Once, I heard him crying in the closet when we were in the middle of a game. Unsure what to do, I sat outside the closet and listened, crying silently, missing her. When I finally opened the closet door, I found him asleep. He'd pulled one of her dresses down and was using it as a blanket. I let him sleep. Now, I let up on the tickling and he ran out of the closet to jump on the bed. As I went after him, a knocking sound from downstairs caught my attention. I stopped. I'll be right back, I said. Okay, Daddy, Andre said, getting up to jump on the bed. As I made my way down the stairs, my frown burrowed. The knocking wasn't coming from the front door. Still, I unlocked it and opened the front door. No one was there. The knocking continued from behind me, growing in volume and pace. My heart hammered as I moved to the hall closet. Now I was sure it was where the knocking was coming from. I ran to the kitchen and grabbed a knife from a drawer, then ran back to the closet. After taking a breath, I yanked the door open knife at the ready. Whoa, whoa, mister, the man said inside, holding up a turtle shell in one hand. His other hand was empty, and he held up defensively. He was a small man, dressed in a creased brown suit. His yellow tie was loose, and the top button on his white dress shirt was undone. How did you get into my house? I yelled, pointing the knife at him. I thought you'd like this turtle, the man said. I gotta get rid of it but I hate to kill an animal. Well, I wouldn't kill it. No, nothing like that. I wouldn't do that. I couldn't do that. No, but if I had to leave it out in the wild, it would surely die. Don't you see that, Mr. Silver? Don't you see that? I was speechless for a moment. How do you know my name? I asked, still pointing the knife at him. We got the new leads today, he said. And by God, your name was at the top of the stack. The best man for the turtle. I thought, yes, sir. The best man for the turtle. The 
best turtle for the man. Daddy? Andre said from upstairs. Who's that? Go back to the bedroom, Andre, I said. Now! But... Do as I say! Ah, little Andre, the man said. Don't you think he'd like this turtle? A little companion for him. I see you don't have any pets. Get out of my house, I said. I don't want your turtle. I'm not asking much for it, Mr. Silver. I'm practically giving it away. I just need to use a little muscle. Just a little muscle. What the fuck is this? I growled. Get out of my house before I call the police. That price won't last, Mr. Silver. Next time I come back, the price will have changed. I can promise you that. He held out the turtle, and it poked its head out tentatively to look around, then pulled it back in. That's it, I said, moving forward with a knife. Okay, he said. I'll leave. I stepped back from the door to give him some room to come out of the closet, but he reached forward and pulled the door shut instead. Open the door, I said. Open the door and get out of my house. No answer. I felt for my phone, but quickly remembered that I left it in the kitchen. I backed away from the closet door and into the kitchen. Once there, I located my phone. I couldn't grab it and keep an eye on the closet door at the same time. So I moved quickly, grabbing the phone and getting back into position within two seconds. The door was still closed. I'm calling the police, I said. Nothing, no response. As I unlocked my phone, I heard a knocking sound from upstairs. Andre, I thought. Andre, come downstairs, I called out. Okay, daddy, he said. From the sound of his voice, I figured he was at the top of the stairs, but the knocking was coming from someone else on the second floor. My veins turned to ice. I lunged forward and pulled the closet door open. The man was gone. So was the turtle. Andre came to the bottom of the stairs and looked at me, confused. The knocking continued. I put the knife, handle first in my back pocket, and grabbed Andre. Stay here, hang onto my leg, and don't let go. He nodded and grabbed my thigh. I called 911 and told them someone was in my house. I didn't tell them he'd appeared in my closet, seemingly out of nowhere, and then disappeared again soon after. They'd think it was a prank call. Andre and I went outside and stood in the dark in the front yard while I stayed on the phone with the operator. I left the front door open so I could see if the man came downstairs. He didn't, but the knocking continued. And just before the police arrived, it turned into banging. But as soon as the two officers were out of their cruiser, it stopped. The cops searched the house and found nothing. No sign of forced entry. No sign anyone had been there. They left after telling me to call again if I saw the guy. But I could tell they weren't taking the call seriously. They thought I was nuts. I thought about taking Andre to a hotel for the night, but dismissed the idea. Something about being driven out of my own house by a weird little salesman was too much for my ego to handle. So we went back into the house. I opened all the doors inside the house and left them that way. I put the knife back and dug a wooden baseball bat out of storage in the garage. I put the bat next to my bed, just in case. It was nearly 11 o'clock by the time I got Andre settled in and to sleep in my bed. I laid beside him and stared up at the ceiling, wondering if I was crazy. 
But after about a half hour of thinking about the salesman, my mind drifted to Maddie, as it did every night. I closed my eyes and let my mind go wild thinking about her. She'd left without a word just over a month earlier. It had been my day to pick up Andre from daycare after work. And when we got home, she was gone. Half of her stuff was missing, along with a couple of suitcases and, of course, her car. Phone calls and text messages to her went unanswered. Then, one day, I called and learned that the number had been disconnected. I couldn't figure out what I'd done, so I lay awake some nights thinking about it. The love I felt for her, even after her betrayal, was immense. I felt sick and sweaty any time I thought about her. I remembered how happy we were when she found out she was pregnant, and the day Andre was born. The faint creak of a door hinge came to my ears. I opened my eyes and sat up, looking to my left at the closet door. It was swinging slowly shut. Then it slammed, the rest of the doors I'd opened around the house all slammed then, one after another. All the noise woke Andre up, and he looked around in the dark, his face screwed up with fear. It's okay, I said, trying to sound confident. No sooner had the words left my mouth than the knocking started, but it wasn't coming from just one door. By the sound, it was coming from all the interior doors in the house at once. Andre started crying, begging me to make it stop. I was frozen with fear, sitting up in bed, embracing Andre. The knocking got so loud I thought the doors were going to break down. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I moved shakily out of bed and grabbed the baseball bat. It felt heavy in my quivering arms. I opened the closet door first, but it was empty. Someone had been banging on it right up until I opened it, but it was empty. Andre cried on the bed. The deafening cacophony was ongoing at the doors throughout the rest of the house. I left the closet door open and moved to my bedroom door. I pulled it open to see the salesman there. Take the fucking turtle, he said, holding the reptile out toward me. I swung the bat, connecting with his head. His skull snapped sideways and he went crashing into the hallway wall. He dropped the hiding turtle onto the carpet. I stepped over the shell and slammed the bat down into the man's torso. Bones crunched with the impact. I hit him again and again until the tip of the bat was wet with blood. The knocking around the house had stopped when I opened the bedroom door, but Andre was still bawling. I turned around to calm him down, realizing that he'd just watched me beat a man to death with a bat. Oh God, I said, dropping the bat on the floor. I turned to close the door, but the turtle was in the way. I shoved it gently out into the hall next to the dead salesman and closed the door. Then I turned back toward Andre and froze. The salesman was stepping out of the closet, not a scratch on him. He had the turtle in one hand and he moved quickly over to the bed, grabbing Andre around the neck with his free arm. He smiled with coffee-stained teeth as Andre looked at me, eyes big with fear. I'm through being polite, the salesman said. Now you take this turtle or I'll have to get nasty. I just killed you, I said. This is impossible. The man snickered. Had you left the door open, I would have stayed dead, at least for a while, but you closed it. So thank you for that. Now, enough chit chat. Are you going to take the turtle or not? I gaped at him. Yes, I said after a moment. Yes, 
Just don't hurt him. Good, the man said, smiling again. Now come take it, and I'll get out of your hair. I stepped forward, reached a hand out toward the shelled reptile. Then I paused, remembering what he said earlier. What's the price? I asked. A little muscle? No, 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 he said. The price has gone up. Now it's love. You get the turtle, I get your love. What the fuck does that mean? I said. The salesman tightened his grip on Andre, producing a choking sound for my son. Okay, okay, I said. I reached out and took the turtle. The salesman dropped Andre back onto the bed. It's like pulling teeth, he said, turning back to the closet. I hate this damn world. He stepped into the closet, closing the door behind him. I set the turtle down and grabbed the baseball bat, then pulled the closet door open. The man was gone. I sat on the bed and embraced Andre, hanging onto the bat with one hand. And as I hugged my son, I felt that something was wrong, something more than the insane situation we'd just been through, something deeper. Pushing the thought away, I held Andre until he fell asleep. Then I placed him gently under the covers. I put the turtle in the bathtub with a little water, deciding I'd deal with it in the morning. I laid down next to Andre and stared up at the ceiling. My thoughts turned to Maddie, as they always did. I waited for the old bad feelings to come. The sick feeling in my stomach, the sweaty skin, the pain that seemed to radiate from my heart. But they never did. For the first time since I'd fallen for her, I was able to think about Maddie objectively. You get the turtle, I get your love, the salesman had said. I smiled at the ceiling, feeling free from the burden that had been weighing me down since Maddie left. I feel no love, I thought. My smile faltered. I turned to look at Andre and waited for the swell of emotion I felt whenever I looked at him. It never came. I knew logically that he was my son, but the underlying emotion wasn't there. It was just gone. I turned to look back at the ceiling. I feel no love. My smile returned. SCP-1879 is a phenomenon that affects houses in the state of Washington, USA. It has been noted to only affect interior doors, which are hereby designated SCP-1879-1. These doors are visually unchanged. However, when a sapient organism comes within two meters of an SCP-1879-1 instance, repeated knocking emanates from the door. This continues indefinitely until a subject opens the door. At this point, a male humanoid entity, hereby designated as SCP-1879-2, will emerge from the door. The entity is approximately five and a half feet in height and appears to be of Caucasian descent and indeterminate age. After emerging from the door, the entity will attempt to sell a product to the subject. These products appear to vary widely in purpose and origin. The entity will explain the purpose and appeal of the product to the subject, often cornering them to do so. The explanations and tactics utilized are often not particularly persuasive, and the entity uses underhanded methods to sell its product. After fully explaining, the entity will then offer a price. 
Said price rarely consists of currency and often is detrimental to the subject or the subject's health. The entity consistently refuses to elaborate or comment on the definition of its price unless it decides to raise it, which it often does if the product is not accepted and paid for quickly. SCP-1879-2 is persistent in its efforts and refuses to leave the subject alone until the product is purchased. These attempts get more aggressive and often culminate in threats that the entity will carry out if the product isn't purchased. Once the product is purchased, the entity will thank the subject and exit the area through an SCP-1879-1 instance.